0: Hi Fiber friends, thanks for joining me on the podcast today, I have some bad news. This is the last episode I'll be releasing for 2021, but don't fret, I have more in store for the new year. I'll be back in 2022 after a short break with more one-on-one conversations. I really hope you've been enjoying getting to know the artists I've spoken to and the little peek into their lives that they shared. It's been a real honor for me. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a comment on the videos on YouTube. Any little bit helps. Thank you so much for supporting me um, and the podcast by continuing to join me each week. I really appreciate it. Now, for today's guest, I was so excited to speak with her. We've got Denise M. Vera on the pod today, calling in from Australia. I've been following her work since I myself started, and I have been obsessed. I bet you have too. Um, Denise creates the most beautiful goddess-like knotted gowns. You might have seen her designs online on uh, boho brides, festival goers, or celebs on the red carpet. She is so talented yet humble and just a complete joy to speak with. You can find her online at denisemvera.com and on Instagram at denisemvera. Um, I hope you enjoy getting to know Denise as much as I did. Here she is. So yeah, if we can start though by just Thank introducing you. yourself, your first and last name, and um, where people can find you online.
1: Yes, of course. So uh, my name is Denise Marianella Vera. So the M in the middle of my Instagram, which is Denise M Vera, is for Marianella, <laughs> which Marianella. is uh, a beautiful family name which has uh, been passed down from a few generations, which is really beautiful. And yes, it's it's with two s's. So Denise is D E N I S S E M. Vera V E R A. Wonderful. Um. So yeah. So you
0: are. i What do you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself a fashion designer or a fiber artist or both?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I would call myself a storyteller. Actually. Oh, I love that. I think. And I'd have to say that's probably the first time that I've called myself that, but it just came to me yeah. and I think that that's what I am. <laughs> oh, that's
0: amazing. I mean, yeah. god, I want to hear more about that with the stories that you yeah. tell with your your garments and yeah, because truly they are. There's like um I don't know how to describe it because there's a a somewhat of a costume element to it. Um, Mm -hmm. but with so much elegance and with like such a bohemian type of feel, but yet it's really, but it's also very classy at the same time. So anyway, okay. I need to focus here. (laughs) I need to focus. Um, let's go from the very beginning. How did you get started with this? Um, you know, has it always been fashion for you or, or, or just straight art or how, you know, take me back.
1: Mm. Uh, well, b- before we get stuck into it, I'd love to begin with uh, just a, a tradition that we have here in Australia, which is to acknowledge the, the owners of the land. And uh, I, so I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional people uh, of the, the tra- sorry, the traditional custodians of the land on which we speak. Uh, which I stand, which are the traditional, sorry, the Tharawal people and also pay respects to their elders past and present. Uh, So I I think it's a beautiful tradition that that we hold here in Australia and also because um, I've recently connected with my own ancestors a lot more, I also like to acknowledge my own ancestors who have led me to be here to speak about what we are speaking about today. So (laughs) That's
0: so beautiful. And um, I mean, you know, it's interesting, like, I was hearing recently that um, in the context of New Zealand, that they were, um, and forgive me, because I Mm. am going to be saying this like fifth hand, and I was only partially paying attention (laughs) to this podcast that mentioned it, but that they were um, (laughs) trying to make more uh, reconciliation and amends to what uh, you know, the, the land rights and things that they had taken from mm. the people who were originally the there. Maori. People. Yeah, the Maori. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, mm-hmm. um, is it is something similar? And it's probably in the way that we should, as Americans, pay more tribute to the Native people that we, you know, haven't been paying respects to at all. Is this like a sort of similar tradition and, um, and mm-hmm. thought behind
1: it? Yes. Um- i'd I'd say so absolutely and i guess every every country has their story and their version of this same uh kind of narrative Mm. which is really sad but it's in that in in new zealand they are a lot more ahead with with in terms of of respect and in terms of you know carrying through the traditions Mm. of the maori people uh but here in australia we're a little bit more behind, and I'd have to say, in my my mother country in Chile, it's it's even more behind. So there's a lot of, of uh, work to be done, uh, but I think that we're on the right path. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, the fact that you're doing it
0: now, I mean, it's beautiful, and I'm I'm thank you thank you for the acknowledgement too. I think we as yeah. Americans, well, I, I can speak from our only for myself there, but that we don't acknowledge it nearly enough at all, <laughs> or at all, really. <laughs> So, yeah, Well, I we,
1: guess the fact could... that you're acknowledging the lack of acknowledgement <laughs> right. is also in itself something, yeah. uh, you know, somewhere to, to to grow from, which is, yeah. you know, all you can do is just grow. For <laughs> sure, right. I know. And, like, and it's something <laughs> like, I would have
0: never even thought yeah. of doing. So, yeah, thank you for sharing <laughs> that. Um, mm-hmm. well, you, well, you talk about your ancestry, too. You just mentioned um, that you're getting a little bit more in touch with it now. So, are you... Bo- were you born mm-hmm. in Australia? And that, but your yes, ancestry I was born... is Chilean.
1: Yes, that's right. Yes, both of my parents are Chilean, and my sister, my elder sister, was born in Chile. And then my parents uh, came to Australia as uh, political refugees in okay. the eighties, and then my brother was born and I was born. So yeah, we. It's interesting though because my brother and I are both very tanned. And my sister is, is very light-skinned. So whenever we go to Chile, it's an interesting uh, scenario when they... S- you know, my my parents introduce us as the Australians and my sister as the Chilean, and yeah. everyone <laughs> kind of gets a bit confused. But yeah, that you is know, funny. That's genes. <laughs> I know you never yeah. know what you're gonna get, right? <laughs> you never know. You never know.
0: Wait, <laughs> so how do you did do you did your parents talk to you about like why they made the decision to go to Australia versus you know a, another part of the world? Um, you know what was <laughs> happening at the time. I don't actually know much about um you know the chilean history or what was going on then um
1: mm. yeah no absolutely they ha- they have spoken to us about it since we were little kids which is r- where i'm really lucky for that because i know that it's it's definitely a conversation that's been uh, quite silenced in a lot of uh family households uh, mm. of people with chilean heritage uh, and that's because they came to Australia during a dictatorship. So it was a heavy time and the reason that they came was actually because uh, they were in danger because my dad was actually a political prisoner. So, yeah, they fled. So they uh, left all of their family behind and uh, came as political refugees, assisted by... uh, Oh, what's the, the... Amnesty International. Oh, nice. Um, wow. okay. Yeah. So, so, yes. Yeah, so, I'm very, I'm very lucky to that my parents are very, have always been very open about that, about sharing everything with us. I guess not. I think now that uh, I've become a lot more curious and wanting to find out even more about, you know, more in depth things that went on at the time, uh, my dad. Has slowly started to open up about mm. his time you know being imprisoned but it's very much still a a sore point and mm. you know there's lots of trauma involved and and it's it's a story that I would love to sit with him and to hear it all out and to you know keep alive and to to keep telling and mm you know as I said I feel like I'm a storyteller through my work and and you know you mentioned before that you you asked if I'm a designer or if what I call myself and yeah I would refer to myself as many different things because as a business owner you end up wearing so many hats right and yes I wear all the hats like I would say that you know, I wouldn't call myself a coder, but I know coding. I do I do coding now, I do marketing, I do all the hats. But I think, you know, encompassing everything together and then really what I feel that my purpose with my label is, is I I feel it is to be a storyteller. And through my work I'm kind of telling stories. And I think that yeah. in the future that story of my my parents' story is something that I will tell. Yeah. Through, through your work, I don't know through my work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, that would be so yeah. beautiful. I mean,
0: I, I just popped into my mind what that could look like. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, I would love to see that <laughs> happen. I think it would be amazing, <laughs> some kind of tribute to them Thank in you. that way. Um, mm. God, that's so interesting. So, I mean, I hate to stay stuck on your parents' experience, but it's so, it's actually so fascinating. Um, but, was he a political prisoner because he was uh a, like an activist or some kind of like some kind yes. of position of power? I mean, I guess that that is what it, you'd have to be if you're going to be imprisoned, right? They're not just uh, taking yeah. regular people off the street and imprisoning them at the time.
1: Yeah, that's right. He yeah. was um he was a student activist. So he was okay. studying to be an electrical engineer at the time in a uh, university up north, Antofagasta. And it, it was a time where anybody who was of, of that side of politics was basically either being killed, tortured or, or imprisoned. Wow. So, yeah, in a way that, in a way, <laughs> my dad being imprisoned was somewhat of a blessing because it's actually quite incredible that he's still alive. Yeah. And, and was that it 80s? brought us here. It was, 80s, yes. Okay. So so they arrived in 1985 to Australia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And did they
0: have any conception of what Australia was going to be like before they got there?
1: No. I, I mean, they they would have known all the very traditional things. I think they were very excited to see kangaroos and live by the – well, they, they actually lived by the beach. They lived in Koji, okay. which is a beautiful area for uh, the first – Uh, I think few years Uh, that was in a hostel like a for uh, political refugees Mm -hmm. and then so so yeah they but even though they were really experiencing the beauty of Australia you know living by the beach and all that it was a very tumultuous time especially for my mum because she is so family oriented, and she' left all of her family right you know back home and and it was quite a rush I guess it was it was they fled so yeah it wasn't you know much to they couldn't say their goodbyes. And, I mean yeah, they, yeah. yeah no no they 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 packed kind of like a suitcase. I remember my dad saying he and we have still have these these blankets that uh he they packed blankets because they didn't know where they would sleep and we oh, it's wow. interesting because we have i actually have one of those blankets the blankets that my dad speaks of in my home and it is the warmest blanket oh wow and it's just you know that beautiful symbolism of that blanket will always live in my home and it will always remind me of of my parents beginnings here so Oh, that's beautiful. really beautiful. What a nice,
0: beautiful. what a like a wonderful sort of heirloom to be able to hold on to. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and cool. again, I've
1: not thought about it until this moment <laughs> because, like, we go back to my my dad's house, and he jokes because uh, he has this little uh, blackboard which where he writes things that we have borrowed from him. Oh, <laughs> um, really? And like, he knows he'll never get them back but that that um actually no he didn't write that on the list but he does have records That's that i've, so funny. I've borrowed <laughs> um from him uh and and but you know really he doesn't mind right. um, that, that we're borrowing them but, <laughs> but um but yeah yeah it's, it is beautiful
0: oh wow mm-hmm. um so what's their language barrier when they arrived like did they know
1: english or yes um, no sorry no they was an a Eng- uh, barrier and okay. no they didn't know English. Uh so they started uh, going to TAFE, I think it was, where they TAFE is uh like a technical college, mm, I guess. Okay. And they they were also watching a lot of uh, many children's shows so there, there's a, a show here called play school and it's still going it's a incredible it's a great show for kids <laughs> and there they watched play school and they learned so much from that show because you know the the speaking is is quite and yeah they mm-hmm. that helped a lot uh but uh, then my my mother was actually a spanish teacher uh or well, she was a trained teacher in in Chile, and then an incredible uh, pr- uh, principal offered her a job as a Spanish teacher. Who, but my mum didn't actually speak any English at the time. Oh, so, wow. you know, it was one of those things where they just, she, the, the principal just loved her energy, her passion for teaching, and knew that she would do a good job. And she did. She worked there for thirty years.
0: Wow! Honestly, there's Uh, no better way to learn a language than to be fully immersed (laughs) on both sides. So that
1: absolutely
0: she's going to learn some. uh, I guess you know some English from you know her students in the process of teaching them Spanish. And I mean that's 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 a better way to do it than anything else actually. So wow, good for them! What an incredible journey they've gone through. And do you speak Spanish? I do.
1: Yes. Yeah. As I said, my mom was a Spanish teacher, so she very much instilled it within the the language within all of us. And, um, she passed away three years ago from um, brain cancer, actually. So it was quite a quick, uh, it was five months from the moment that we found out. So it was very fast, but it was, it was an incredible journey. And since she's passed, uh, I think that we are so aware that she was the one who kept the language so alive that mm. we really try hard to keep keep it going. Uh, so, you know, even my little nieces who are six and four uh, will be speaking in English and they'll say, habla en español, tenemos que hablar en español, which means we need to speak in Spanish. And that is something that my mum would always say. So it's incredible that... You know, even they know the importance of of the language, and and it's very much, you know, come from my mother. That's great. Um,
0: yeah. Do they? See, it's so hard to carry on language. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, my parents speak Korean, and they spoke Korean mm-hmm. to me. Mm, I mean, they they did a mix of both. My dad speaks more English to me. Yeah. My mom speaks Korean to me, and I I'm mm-hmm. so embarrassed to speak it back, even though. I would be okay at it. I would probably be like a kindergarten level um, speaking it back, which but is, I just...
1: Which is great, actually. Yeah, sorry. Well, maybe
0: I'm exaggerating. It's, it's, it's probably more <laughs> like preschool, but... <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I just always, like... I've always responded back in English, and so now my mm-hmm. Korean is poor, and so I, can, I can't, you know, really pass it on to my own kids. So, yeah, that's one of the things, like, with language and... And even just cultural traditions, it's so hard to pass on once you've been in this sort of, a, you know, a Western culture the way we are in now. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult. But,
1: you know, things always um, happen in such a, a beautiful way. You never know, you know, your, par- your children might end up having this real intrigue with language and and they'll want to learn and then yeah. you'll end up learning from them you know you never know how these things happen um in a in a circular way it will eventually come back to you even though you know, it's been so. semi-lost yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will it is it, it's, <laughs> it's
0: hard though uh especially with like yeah. i mean traditions in general but like even food my kids are so mm-hmm. they're basically they're so american when it comes to food too so it's like They'll eat some <laughs> Korean things, but uh, really reluctantly. And really, I gotta—I have to like make sure no other thing is on the table. They have no other choice mm. that day. Then they'll eat it, <laughs> but like really barely. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Those kinds of things yeah. are hard to pass pass on. But
1: but how but how old are your children? Okay?
0: Eight and nine.
1: Eight and nine. Yeah. So, well, but it's my fault. Age like, like <sighs>
0: I don't know. No, I, I just should, when, have been, I should have been, I should have been
1: cool. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. They'll find it cool. They'll find I, know. It cool. It's like, um, I remember around that age, I hated my hair. I, like my curly hair mm-hmm. it, I know this that's completely different to language but in, no in no it's like because it, it's cult it's also culture. it is yeah yeah um, absolutely and it's, an, it's but, part of your
0: identity that you're finding and actually I'm exactly. so curious what it's like in Australia uh, in Australia mm. like are there a lot of Spanish-speaking people did you feel like you were I mean I know there's um, mm. like people of color right? So it's you were maybe not like um, the only like brown person or whatever there. Uh, But yeah, like what was it like in your immediate community growing up?
1: Mm. Well, after my uh, parents lived in the coastal town that I mentioned, we then, or we, I wasn't born yet. (laughs) They then moved like uh, southwest uh, inland to Mm -hmm. like a little suburb. And it's very, very Uh, it's not as multicultural, there's more, uh, there are many Islanders, so some Samoans, Tongans Mm. um, and Australians, white Australians, and then a bit of a scatter of everyone. And Mm. this is in a town called um, Campbelltown. So that's where I grew up, but then probably half an hour away, there is a town called the area, um, like around Fairfield area, (laughs) another area, where there are so many Chileans and Latin oh, Americans, really? so That's I nice. actually grew up out of that uh, community, and I guess that meant that I grew up quite Australian, uh, mm. quite, like you know, lacking in the culture. We also we still did cultural gatherings, and we had lots of Chilean friends, but generally my community was was not very latin-american so mm-hmm. if that's come later on in life where you know i've expanded my friendship group and now actually have an incredible group of latina women who we you know speak to each other in spanish we actually create crafts together we you know have these beautiful gatherings that are like incorporate dancing and food and Music. Uh, oh, yeah. that's so. Amazing. So that's actually come late on. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful.
0: Right when you were ready to seek it out and and I think so. Find it. Yeah,
1: yeah. when when I decided that curly hair was cool. <laughs> yeah, which it <laughs> is. Think, like all the at the same time. <laughs>
0: I know. We always want what we uh yeah. what we like. We always want what we don't have. Right. Like it's like my hair yeah, is yeah stick straight, and I've always wanted curly hair, and like <laughs> <Yeah. Okay>. it's <laughs> always. Seems like the grass is always I, greener, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think especially in those younger ages, especially sure. your um, your children's ages. So I have a hope for them. <laughs> I yeah. think that they'll just get really curious about the uh, Korean culture and then all of a sudden just um, want to go to Korea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll want to be there. <laughs> I hope so. Mm-hmm.
0: They, well, they're going to have to deal with two cultures because my husband is Russian. Uh, oh, so they have, they're going to be all sorts of confused <laughs> for a while. <laughs>
1: Confused and cool. That's yeah. a really cool. Mix. Yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to let's get back yeah. into like the the mm-hmm. creating because I really would love to hear. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure your your childhood plays a part in you know uh, your creative life and how you came to be. So um, tell me, tell me about
1: it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I. I did a, a lot of art growing up and was very explore, explorative. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Let's say it's a word. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's um, a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I just loved to experiment <clears throat> with all different forms of media. So, you know, I did lots of sculpture and lots of painting. And uh, yeah, actually, something that I was very, Connected to a sculpture, like mm. some, I, I would love to get really intimate with what I was making with my hands, which now I find interesting because I've, I, I guess I've never thought of it in that way. But kind of what I'm doing is a little bit of sculpture as well, really, because I'm kind of sculpting the piece onto the mannequin. Hmm, well, mm-hmm. that's interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're creating forms, yeah. really. Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah, and um, and I, d- I was have. Had always been very interested in kind of indigenous themes, so I, re- I remember getting very curious about the the Machu Picchu, mm. you know, the beautiful uh, ruins in in Peru, and and lots of places like that. I was very curious about you know these ancient ancient um, civilizations, <laughs> even as a young kid, uh, but I. I didn't think that I would do something artistic growing up. I, I think that it was something that I, I enjoyed, but I enjoyed sport more. Oh. <laughs> so sport was more my thing. I was very, um, I was very active, and I don't know if that was an uh, impact from like my older brother. I, I've looked look up to him so much and looked up to him so much, uh, like the way that he embraced you know, exercise and, and things like that. So that's where I was veering towards. But then uh, something happened with my leg where I, I, I was in like hospital for a long time. And then I was actually told that I couldn't do uh, cop, like impact sport. Oh and no, that must like, have been I devastating. It was it was devastating. Yeah. But the the light, uh, you know, from that was uh, my sister. I remember my sister brought me like a, a journal and this incredible colouring in set to the hospital when I was hospitalised. And that's when I started sketching, which is incredible. So coming out of hospital, I had done all these sketches and things, and then I really wanted to start making things. And my dad uh, has this big passion for antiques, and he has had all these you know antique sewing machines and he also knows how to sew really well so I got my dad to teach me (laughs) teach me the ropes and then I just started making really simple things like skirts and and little bags and you know very very simple creations yeah and how old were you at the time that was probably uh, how old are you when you finished primary school like around 10 Okay. Yep. I think yeah, I was around 10, 11-ish. yeah. Yeah. So then going into high school, I was already really loving fashion. And then I think it was around year 10 was when I wanted to do a short course at a local college. So I did a short course and then basically just got obsessed. <laughs> I just loved putting pen to paper and then bringing that like creation to life. I just loved seeing the process. And then I think from there, and I, I started to do lots of alterations for family members and things. I oh, think wow. I was just very curious about, you know, where I could take it. And I knew that if I wanted to be able to do something more difficult, like I needed to start from the beginning mm-hmm. and just really teach myself the skills to to grow into what I wanted to be able to achieve because mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't just kind of jump there. So so yes, I you know, wanted to experiment a lot. And one of my first jobs actually was for a, a vintage store in, in Sydney and I was doing all their alterations. So they would buy vintage clothes and then I would take it home on the train, my, my one hour train ride back home to Campbelltown from the city. <laughs> And I'd have this big bag. I swear I probably looked like Santa Claus just with it lugged over my shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, so I'd I'd bring all that stuff home and and sew it up, fix it up, um, do all the alterations. And as I was doing those alterations, I was really learning about what was going on inside the garment. So I think that that was a really great uh, step towards learning how to construct. Yeah, things, totally. To construct will. Yeah. God, it's great. You know, it's like it
0: shows you like the resilience of uh that the the like the adolescent brain. Because I feel like mm-hmm. nowadays if you <laughs> were to hurt yourself and your dreams are taken away, you know, you're of what whatever physical thing you wanted to be doing, and then you just like transferred all that energy like right away went straight into something else, which is so cool to see that you just you know what I mean? Like, I, it's, it doesn't sound like you spent much time wallowing um, or being too yeah. upset about what happened to your leg. <laughs> yeah. Did it heal? It could, is it completely healed? By the way, are you like physically fine, or, or do you carry well, some of that?
1: No, so it, it's it was a benign tumor, and it kind of oh, wow. ate away at my bone, oh, at my wow. at tibia, which is the the bone like right in the middle of of your leg, so. I yeah they told me I couldn't do any sport but now I run oh, I, nice. I do everything because I was, like, slowly worked myself back up to being able to do exercise and exercise is a really big you know it, it's a big part of my life I I really value the way that I feel after I've done lots of intense exercise so I think that I I realized that I need to be able to get myself back up there, even to be yeah. a good designer. I guess I think to be a thousand percent, like, I agree. Yeah, yeah. the The person that I wanted to be, the business owner I wanted to be, the boss I wanted to be, that I needed to get myself back into health, yeah. so that I could really, you know, thrive as opposed to, you know, not being able to run, which I love running. So I needed, I knew I needed to get myself back to running. Yeah, you know, yeah. so. Wow.
0: Okay, so you're basically yeah. in high school and giving yourself a crash course on garment construction, right? Um, were yeah. you, uh, were you a good student in in school with like the typical stuff with math and, um, you know, whatever uh, yeah, else <laughs> say- sciences? Yeah, I'm like, what did we do in school? <laughs> oh, oh, right, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I really liked math and and i i I think that i was i was a good i was good because i was studious Mm -hmm. i don't think i was a naturally like my brain isn't naturally like high functioning (laughs) i definitely know that i i you know achieved the results that i got because i really had to work really hard to to get good grades Especially with things like science and
0: yeah, I'm and, the same way. I'm the exact same way. Yeah. Like I did well, but I really, really had to try. Yeah, more. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So Which while, is, mm. yeah. Um. No. <laughs> uh. So while you were uh, becoming obsessed with um all things clothing, I guess uh how, were mm-hmm. were your parents supportive of that? Did like did they see you sort yeah. of go- taking this route? And you know how did they feel about it?
1: Yeah, they they were very supportive, and I think because before I wanted to get into fashion, I I knew I wanted to have a business already. My dad has a small furniture business, and I just I, I think I loved the way that my parents navigated through things in their in their careers. So you know, sometimes my dad was working more, sometimes my mom was working more, and I think that they were able to do that because my dad has his had his own business Mm -hmm. uh, and he was able to step in and out and I I I guess maybe that kind of snuck into my brain oh I'm sure the flexibility of it yeah and I just I I think from a young age I already started to I think envision how I wanted my life to be (laughs) as an older person which was somebody with flexibility to be able to Uh, do what they love but also uh, but also be 100% present with family life with you know to be a good friend to you know I I think something that I always think about is that if I don't have time to help a friend with an alteration then I'm doing I'm not on the right path Mm. like I always feel like I should always like. I started this for a reason, and I don't want to lose myself in it. Yeah. And and that's the one. I guess one of those little things that I just think, if I'm I'm saying sorry, don't have time for you, don't have time for that, then I need to realign my values and just you know. That's <laughs> it's amazing. Just a small example, but, but I don't know. No, 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 no.
0: I mean, I I think yeah. that's actually so poignant and so not just mature but like the fact that you recognize that um i mean now is one thing because you know you're grown and uh, you're grown you're grown up whatever but like (laughs) um i mean to even recognize the work-life balance thing that is so important that Mm. i feel like nobody at least in america i feel like it's 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 gotten lost um i mean with the pandemic i think people are finding it now which is why everybody's quitting Mm. their jobs but um Mm. i mean it's 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 pretty spectacular that you were sort of, that you recognized right away and you saw that that, uh, that a work-life balance is possible. I mean, I guess it's through your parents. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, because my, my experience was so different. It was like Asians, it's all professional doctor, lawyer, engineer, and like those mm-hmm. are your only choices. And, and going into a business is the only way to do things. Like having a corporate job, at least, if you're not going to do any of the other things, like have a corporate job. And that was like, I mean, th- there was almost... It, you Know an alternative career, it was never um, idealized, <laughs> uh, right. you know, at least from where from the experience that I had, but um, yeah, yeah, so it's cool though, you that your parent because your parents being entrepreneur or your dad being an entrepreneur, um, you had a good teacher in that, I think, so that's great,
1: yeah. I think, but in saying that though, there was, I was the third child so i think that's really i uh, mean that's a big um something very significant to yes. really kind of point out as well because i there were two children before me <laughs> who experienced more of of what you're describing yeah. so you know my sister were it my sister did you know go through that that kind of um parenting where my my parents like, really wanted her to have a profession, you know, and mm-hmm. go to university. and and, like my parents were the same with me. You know, I was deciding between going to like a technical college, I guess you would call it, or a university. Mm-hmm. and they they encouraged me to do to go to the unit to university because in Chile, it's very much, um, yeah, it's a, it's similar to what you described. You know, you you want your kids to either be like a doctor or lawyer yep. or mm-hmm. a, 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 an engineer or a teacher. So, you know, my my sister ended up going into special education teaching, and uh, and my brother is a is an engineer. So, I think by the time my parents got to me, I think they loosened up a lot. Yeah, and. <laughs> I guess also because I was very determined, like from from a young age, and you know I think that that came from my mom a lot, and I was just kind of not giving anybody the opportunity to tell me that it that I couldn't do what I wanted to do because right, <laughs> right. I was so certain about it, you know. So and I I think that deep down I or. Well, it's very going into fashion you you kind of know you know your classmates you all know that people are gonna are, aren't going to fully uh, understand why you're going into fashion basically and they right. might you know put you down and things and I think I always before giving them the opportunity to put me down, I would you know speak m- m- my passion yeah. before that happened and I think that that really helped in in people believing in me because I believed in me. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> I, no, I think- Or I was faking faking to believe in me. I think that yeah, like faking the whole fake it fake it before you make it. Fake it, it to make it yeah, yeah. Is a big yeah. Yeah, but I also think
0: I mean there there's an energy that comes mm. from somebody who's really impassioned with something like this. So I mean mm. the fact that you Yeah, I mean it like even as a high school student to be going through the process of traveling an hour to go to a vintage shop and do all this stuff. I mean, like it's <laughs> its a lot of work. And I think that, you know, well, you showing that you're spending so much time doing this one thing, it like it's so clear, you know, when someone really is into something. I mean, I think that's like one of the hardest things to do. And one of the hardest things to figure out is like, what are our passions? Right. But you, you found it really early, I think. And which is so wonderful because I like even with my own kids, I look at them and I'm like, they're young still but if if when they're in high school they're showing yes. me one like one thing that they're really obsessed with like i'm not gonna i don't think i'm gonna shit on it i think i'm gonna be very supportive i hope <laughs> god i hope it's not something yeah like really <laughs> really crazy but
1: <laughs> i'm hoping to be really supportive in, in this it. world there's just so many possibilities that you can make anything work it's <laughs> right
0: you really can you
1: really can now you with really youtube <laughs> really Absolutely. <laughs> it's true
0: yeah it's it's great yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah i mean i'm sure like
1: i feel yeah, like thank you
0: yeah you taking that path and people like mm. i feel like as an onlooker i would have been like ah oh, she's so inspirational <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like watching you follow your dreams yeah, yeah. it's really it's mm. one of those things that's it's magical to see
1: yeah thank you, you, you. Know. thank you but you know like thinking back to i my mindset back then i think that what I was doing was modelling things from other people that Mm. I really looked up to, even friends. I remember, this is such a random example, but my friend Jennifer Nunez is just an incredible soul and we were in the same grade, um, like graduate year. And I remember she turned up to class wearing a beret and she looked like a little Frenchie. She looked so just... Classy, and mm. I remember looking at her and just thinking, "Wow, <laughs> wow!" I, I, you know,
0: like she's pulling that would off.
1: Love to <laughs> dress in a way that really describes me, and you know, that's just a small example. But I think that, um, I think that that's something that I did a lot, and that that show it ends up looking like you've got everything put together like you've got everything in line but really you're kind of just modeling off other people you know the things that you really you know wish to of course to, of course as a teenager because you're of, still
0: trying to figure yeah. it out you know so you're yeah it's a absolutely. hodgepodge of all different kinds of trends and but then you're also trying to be unique mm. so then you got to try a bunch of stuff yes. you know and it, some of it works yeah. some of it doesn't Um, but yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's a whole
1: experimental time. (laughs) Yeah. And that's
0: the most fun part about being a teenager is Mm -hmm. being able to, um, you know, go through that process and play around and, and there's no stakes, you know, I guess, or is it higher? Are the stakes higher in high school? Because you have to like, you know, go to school
1: with mean people. Things are so different now. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) I feel like we're like really in this pluralist world where anything goes, anything goes ever. Yeah. I mean, look Mm -hmm. at Yeezys. Like, have you seen like the new like boot style? I don't even know. I don't follow all that stuff, but (laughs) something came up on my Facebook and someone's like some local person is selling whatever the new boot things are and they're crazy looking. They're like, they look like monster shoes. And I'm like, wait, these are what Kanye West designs? Like so weird. So weird. But anything goes. Honestly, if you own it and you wear it with confidence, then Mm -hmm. that's it.
1: That's all that matters. And and really in the end that's kind of what sets that's what sets him apart I feel that that's what set me apart I wasn't following any like I didn't see something that looked like what I wanted to create it was purely from you know (laughs) lots of like from visions in my mind it was from like landscapes that I was being inspired by it was from things that I was just draping onto the mannequin it wasn't Mm. from anything and I think that that's why it has done so well because it's it's um unique (laughs) I guess it's not been done in the way that I've chosen to do it totally before
0: yeah yeah it is like purely your vision which is I mean it's it's like a rarity these days I think because of social media it's hard to yeah. see original work but yours for sure a thousand percent is you know um oh, i mean it's so you. it's so refreshing that's the thing it's like when you see a denise and vera piece like you know it's yours <laughs> you know um so oh, t- so God. yeah so let's so take let- <laughs> take me to that point so um yeah you're in mm-hmm. high school you're mm-hmm. learning more about sewing and garment construction and all this kind of thing so do you end up going to technical school or university
1: or neither well I got into both so I did apply for both Mm -hmm. and I decided to go to university and that is because I'm I also really love the theoretical side of things Mm -hmm. and I really love to delve deep into concepts so I'm a very conceptual designer so I like to kind of put this big story together and then let my ideas flow from that so I knew that um, tasks that I'd be set at uni would be things like you know 10,000 word essay which I did in my final year and I liked the idea of that (laughs) I just liked the idea of just really delving deep into something and then and then drawing from there so I think that I that's that's why I ended up deciding to go to uni, and also because I wanted to do a sub major in in business because okay. I knew that, um, as I said before, I knew that I wanted to have a business, and it, once I veered into fashion, I knew that I want I I would create a label at some stage. Mm-hmm. So so was I really your, wanted to have that business backing. Was mm-hmm. your main
0: degree a fashion degree? Like the your main focus yes. was fashion. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I did a sub a sub major in in business marketing, which which was really insightful. <laughs> and yeah, really it was it was a it was a great course and me- I met lots of people who I am still connected with who have veered into the, you know, business side of things and just great to have those contacts, you know. Yeah. So yeah. what did you do once you got out? <sighs> I don't know. I have literally no concept of
0: how old you are. So I don't know if we're talking about like five
1: years ago or, you know, 15 years ago. (laughs) Well, I am 31 and I turn 32 next year, next week. (laughs) Oh, nice. Happy (laughs) early birthday. Thank you. Uh, So that was eight, nine years ago. Okay. Coming up to 10 years ago, finishing uni. So after university well, after the runway show of my graduation collection, okay. I sold my first piece. So it was through a text. It was the day of the graduation. It was straight after the runway. I got a text from my friend who'd seen a picture of the, the finish, like a finale dress. And she said, I want to get one of those. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, right away. Yeah, that was that was a really cool moment, and but I, I really wanted to work in industry first. So I, I worked in the industry for a year, but I won't lie, during that year I was very focused on my label already. So I was working full-time, you know, nine to five in the city, in Sydney, and then going back home and creating orders for people and also working on my first collection, which I then launched the following year straight after I quit my full-time job. (laughs) Okay. So how were you,
0: how did you already have orders? Were you Mm.
1: um,
0: like, how were you marketing yourself already?
1: Because I am a serial emailer (laughs) back then. I was just one of those annoying people who just reaches out to everyone and anyone (laughs) And that's what I did coming out of uni. I had my lookbook, and I just sent it around to photographers, uh, stylists. Oh, okay. So you were using
0: your graduate collection, like your mm-hmm. your school collection, and then yes. sending that out. Oh, okay. That's amazing. And is that what we're yeah. seeing on Instagram, like the like the no. lace red top? And no, so no, that mm-hmm. is not that at all. No. Okay. So that's no, later but- in your life. Okay.
1: Yes. Yes. So the the Uni- the, my university collection was called Unidentified Lines uh, and it was just very monotone. It was kind of greys and light, gre- light blue, very light blue and light green. Okay. <laughs> and then it had a print, which was a print that I developed from a photograph that I took of one of the ancient um, sites that I visited oh, while cool. I was travelling. Yeah. so, very cool. Um, but actually, I guess... I feel like I I should say something about that particular trip that I'm talking about where I took that photograph because that's where I learned macrame. Uh (laughs) That's where it all started. All right. (laughs) That was the year prior to my graduation year. I feel like I just skipped like that main (laughs) (laughs) part of of it all. But yeah, basically I was uh, backpacking and uh, with with the same friend who i mentioned before actually my friend who was dressed really cool oh nice <laughs> I was backpacking with her uh, maybe she's and, your muse in some way <laughs> i in many ways i have to say <laughs> yeah she yeah so we went traveling uh through south america and i was uh flat i was oh, no, sorry i crossed the border from bolivia back to chile right up north in, mm. into a desert town in Chile called San Pedro de Atacama. And there I met an artisan, Oliver, and he sat with me, um, believed in me, and he handed uh, his, his art to me. So he, I was very curious, as I am with things, <laughs> and I, you know, asked him, can you please teach me how to make that ring? And then I made myself one just on the spot. Oh, so he taught awesome. me the knots and then I just did it straight away. It it just came really naturally and he was impressed by my, my speed of learning. So yeah. he kind of was challenging me and he got me to make this necklace, which was really intricate and I just did it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it was, and it's interesting. Then later that day, we went to a party. He invited me to a party and everyone was partying and I was just there knotting in the corner. <laughs> because I was so into it I got so obsessed and and then that's when I came back to Australia did the graduation collection and incorporated the macrame that I'd learned from Oliver so 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 cool so you were doing micro
0: macrame like really small stuff right oh yeah yeah what a serendipitous (laughs) meeting to have with this guy was it um was he like an artisan on the street like selling his stuff and then you started talking to him or um
1: yeah, yeah. So he he was with like a friend, and they were they were kind of just calling out like, "Come have a look at our stuff." Um, but he had just had his board of of macrame stolen oh, because no. you know he's a yeah. So he actually only had a few pieces on show and lots of bongs. Oh, <laughs> he was nice. actually selling like these little artisanal bong bongs as well. Uh, but I I was. Uh, I guess he was he was knotting as he was going and that's what why he was knotting on the on the street on that particular day because he everything had been stolen so wow he was recreating you know what he'd lost which was horrible but yeah on that day we developed this great uh, relationship and then after actually a few years later just before I did my next collection I traveled to Chil- Chile and we did... A, a workshop together so
0: <gasps> that's so cool so you stayed yeah, in touch and everything really cool.
1: cool. yeah 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 that's so we, yeah and actually one of the the neck pieces which is the Lara neck piece which has um, been quite popular that neck piece was sketched by me I sent the sketch to him he created it with his own partial vision as well mm-hmm. and then sent it back to me and then I changed it a bit so it was that that particular piece is like a beautiful co-creation between myself and my teacher that's so awesome yeah yeah
0: yeah a true collaboration very cool so you were just like mailing it back and forth
1: yeah I mean it took months but (laughs) (laughs) this was prior to me uh having my DHL Express right right. it was very very slow
0: (laughs) And you have, like, no idea if it's really fully going to get there and, you you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, no idea. Wow. <laughs> That's
0: so cool. That's, like, such a, it's such a, like, special piece to have when it's, like, he, it's, like, he's it your is. origin for this, you know, for this part of your art making. That is so cool.
1: Yeah, thank wow. you. Yeah, and actually something that I only thought of recently is that, uh, because when my, my mother passed away, I became really curious about, her heritage and things so that's when i found out that we have mapuche lineage which is the indigenous lineage of chile mm. and yeah something cool that i realized recently was that um oliver also has mapuche lineage so oh, wow. he actually my yeah my teacher and i both have this beautiful connection to you know the, our in, our Indigenous heritage and it's something that we never even discussed or, you know, I've actually not been back to Chile since finding out that mm. piece of information. So it's going to be a yeah, really cool and um, heart-opening experience to be over there and to have conversations with people who have similar heritage to me. And yeah. So it's gonna be. I I truly Powerful. I fully <laughs> believe
0: that there is some kind of I don't even know how to describe it, but that shared sort of experience that sits in your genetic like ancestry somehow mm-hmm. that passes through. Like here's the, I have a crazy story. I only found mm-hmm. out a couple years ago. My dad told me he goes. He was like my dad. My parents were visiting, and out of the blue, my dad goes. You know what? When I was really little. My mom, so like, you know, my grandma, he's like, my mom sold yarn. (laughs) He's like, she walked around with baskets of embroidery thread, yarn and embroidery thread. And I was like, you're just telling me this now? (laughs) Like, it's so crazy because this is when (gasps) he was very, very young. So he has very little memory of it. Like, he's just like, I just remember her walking around with baskets of it and then going to different markets and then like selling it to like selling it to retailers basically so i'm like well there's that's what i mean like there's so there's something in our dna that yes that absolutely somehow leads us to these things that we have literally no idea we may we may not have any idea that it exists in us you know so yeah i mean when i heard that i was just completely dumbfounded I, i couldn't believe it but yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, really cool, right? <laughs> um, yeah, man. Oh my god. I know, I wish yeah, I knew more that... about it, and I wish that, like, that that grandmother, she died, like, 10 years ago, so it's like, I can't even really ask her about any of it, and,
1: um,
0: you know, but there there
1: anyway. you've got your dad. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, but he you doesn't remember. You to prod it.
1: him for <laughs> more stories. So, yeah. I
0: know, I know. He's the youngest of five children, so I feel like his, I don't know, his memories are of the later version of
1: His Mm. mom, you know
0: what I mean. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Yeah. even just knowing that, I think, I mean, it got me so excited. I was just like, God, I mean, that means I really was meant to do this, you know. Absolutely, (laughs) yes, yes. We're so guided. Yeah, (laughs) we're all
1: so guided.
0: Absolutely. Um, Awesome. So okay, so I want to get into like your current. what is it like your current version of what you're creating um with the with with your your evolution of going right into like where things are very macrame based because i think just a few years ago um you were doing more sort of like traditional dress type um you know mm. i don't even know how to say, formal wear
1: i guess <laughs> yes 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 right yeah, absolutely yeah i think it's interesting because when covid hit and festivals and weddings were canceled
0: mm-hmm.
1: or postponed I I was very much feeling from people or just from from the energy of of everything that was happening was that I needed to pivot. Mm. But it's interesting because I didn't in a way I did, you know, launch different a few different products that suited more the landscape of what was going on, but I focused very much on just realigning my whole vision and kind of displayed that through my new website because, you know, COVID hit and then I decided that I would redo my website. And I think that that was a really i don't know a really important thing for me to do because even though there were there were things guiding me a- away from i guess macrame or what i was doing mm-hmm. i knew that i just had to stick to it and actually actually work on like the way that i would dis- the way that i would uh, what's the word i'm looking for i guess to continue telling my story right like intuitively <laughs> it, it comes back to the the storytelling um, yeah yeah thing I think I felt like I wasn't fully displaying what I was about what mm-hmm. Denise and Vera was about and I think that 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 time gave me the space to really hone back in on what my my purpose with my label was and what I wanted to do with it so <clears throat> So something that I focused on was, you know, redoing the website, which is, yeah, something I feel really proud of, um, that I worked together with 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 an Australian um, web web developer, on. But then also, yeah, I worked on a few other projects, and and one project that I'm feeling very passionate about and that I'm soon to launch is Artisan Archives, which is an archives of, uh, sorry, an archive of of artisans who are from Latin America mm. and who, you know, I. the main purpose is to, one, tell their story. <laughs> Again, coming to the, back to the storytelling thing. Sto- tell their story and also to display their pieces in the way that they really deserve to be displayed yeah. to the world. And I don't know, that sounds a bit... I'm. I'm obviously not just my. My website isn't. You know, being viewed by the world, but the way that I. I want to kind of elevate macrame, uh, and to show it in a new light. In this, to show it in the way that, the way that I see it. I guess mm-hmm. the way that I saw it in that moment, that it was handed over to me, which was this, like I was enchanted by it. Yeah. I was enchanted by it, and I could see the possibilities of it straight away and i knew that i could take it somewhere but you know maintaining its its essence mm-hmm. i'd never wanted to let go of its essence which is you know how it was was handed over to me so i feel like that this pro- project which is about you know continuing to tell the story of, art of other artisans is is you know the reason why it was passed to me mm-hmm. as well so, it's, yeah, the platform's really beautiful. Um, I, it's almost finished, but I am starting off with five artisans. So okay. I've met, uh, I have an artisan from uh, Puerto Rico, from Mexico, from Colombia, Chile, and Argentina. And, and, yeah, so on the platform you can shop their pieces, read about them and, and just see their pieces in, in their true beauty, yeah, you know, because oh, how they're wonderful. usually seen, you know, is on, in the, the way that I, I saw macrame for the first time was on the floor on a piece of, of fabric, mm-hmm. which is also beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's grounded. It's gorgeous. But yeah, it's gonna, it's been a really beautiful process to take those pieces and to, you know, put them on a model, have them photographed by incredible, uh, photographers, ha- having then been worn by uh, a beautiful model and, and all of that. So it's been a very beautiful process. And yeah, I'm really excited to see where that where that goes. But you know, the core of it, the the heart behind it is to just continue telling this story of, of macrame. Yeah. And
0: yeah, that's very cool. So it's going to be shoppable from your website. Um, yes. God, you know, it's interesting, because I, I immediately started thinking about um, that. Essentially, it's, it's you being a curator, um, but I was imagining it in like a museum environment. Um, mm-hmm. Some I don't know, some kind of <laughs> some kind of in person experience, you know. So and then yeah, because I wasn't quite sure where you were going with it, and then I'm I'm seeing it now more with like that that it's going to be modeled and um and you know worn or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's so many possibilities cuz I could see it eventually becoming right. something that is I don't know, like is, is it an exhibition worthy like kind of thing, you know? Not worthy, like mm. but could it translate in that format, you know what I mean? I come from a museum mm. background so that's like it Im- made immediately right went um in my head with it. But um but that's awesome. Oh, so that's when cool. so ha- no, that's has any cool. of it launched yet or uh
1: no, no. The- yeah, no. I I actually, it's funny, I chose a day to launch it and then I listened to one of your podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and in the podcast episode uh, you were talking about how it's, you know, not a great idea to launch something close to Christmas. Oh, right. <laughs> and, yeah, 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 yeah. And, I, and I, I, I think I very much just go with the flow of how things are developing and I don't like to pressure myself um, into yeah, I, I just go with the flow. Yeah. of things and it. I had flowed towards the idea of of launching on my birthday, which is next week. But I also believe that everything happens for a reason, and I was li- meant to listen to that podcast because then I, I thought I don't need to, you know, pressure myself to launch next week. It doesn't need to be next week, and probably might be better if I wait. So I don't. I actually don't know yet it's <laughs> almost
0: ready though so oh I don't know that's such a hard call yeah see because in this in this um in this situation uh, because it's I don't know it sounds like it could be like gift items mm. so now I'm yeah, kind of like they, maybe you should actually... lunch before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. but then but then we're so close to her. I mean I would have said I probably would have said yeah thanksgiving then if it was possible but since that ship has yeah. sailed maybe wait till after i don't know i haven't even seen yeah. these pieces what am i yeah. talking about i'm totally talking yeah. out of my ass <laughs> but,
1: like in in regards to the piece so, yeah they're jewelry pieces and the cool thing about it is some of them can be pieced together with my garments which is really cool as yeah. well um but yeah in terms of 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 my projects uh, and my designs uh, something I'm really excited about is is continuing down the the tierra pathway which is uh some pieces that all of my most recent pieces that I've been launching which uh basically they use less tubes so those tubes that I use are metal mm-hmm. and I want to try to like I basically in the new tierra pieces they're just as beautiful and just as as intricate and stunning and but they're using a whole lot less you know they have one or two tubes so okay yeah I have kind of um tierra means earth so basically mm-hmm. um the the way I'd like to veer towards is is just being a lot more conscious of of the earth and also with my usage of materials and um and yeah so I'm I'm working together with my the the people who produce my um cord and i'm working on you know developing new um cords which are very sustainable and um locally sourced uh, materials so oh that's wonderful um yeah and and also upcycling um i'm doing lots of, of upcycling as well which has been cool i've been donated lots of uh cords and just creating things out of you know, material that already exists. Oh, that's and, awesome! And repurposing that, so so that's something that I'm really excited about as well. Cool. Um,
0: God, can we talk about your um, your process of creating your pieces? Um, yes. Do you sketch everything? I did see one sketch on your Instagram, um, mm-hmm. but I wonder: do you sketch everything out beforehand, or do you sometimes just, you know, have your um, form in front of you, you just form in front of you and just mm. go to town. Like, how does it work for you?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's happens differently every time. However, usually it begins as a sketch, and mm-hmm. that sketch really uh, comes to me usually, usually in moments when I'm either. You know in nature like i've a lot of designs have come to me when i'm hiking mm-hmm. and that's been a really special thing i, I hold the the cleo top for example very close to my heart because it came to me the day before i started hiking up to acongagua which is the highest peak in latin america oh, wow. um but i only it got to the base <laughs> I only went to base camp because um, it's very high <laughs> but it was a very you know very sacred place it was very you know being amongst the mountains you know that's my really my happy place to be yeah del- delved deep into the mountains it, I just feel like my mind uh, works in a different way and mm. I'm just blocked off to the things that usually distract me um that distract my mind so i'm very clear-minded and things very easily flow to me so yeah i I loved the process of the of the cleo top probably the most out of all of them because the sketch came to me when i woke up at 3 30 a.m it was of course there in my my mind i yeah it's that that 3 30 time um the creator's time Mm -hmm. Uh, and then i just took it straight to paper Wow. And at the time, I, my uh, team member was working in the studio back here in Australia. And I, w- I was in um, Argentina. And then I just said, look, this is the idea that's come to me. Can we get it going? Like, I just feel like it needs to happen now. <laughs> and she, in that moment that I wrote to her at 3.30 a.m., so random, she was actually working in the studio. So oh, wow. she started making in this on the spot. Um, so then... Yeah, then I guess the process is very fluid because then I came back to Australia, didn't have motivation to do it, put it to the side for a long time. And then one day on a full moon, I was feeling all energetic (laughs) and then pulled it back out and, you know, stayed up until like 4 a.m. or something, just piecing, getting it right, and just flowing with that initial idea that I'd had on that day. And then it turned into the Clio talk, which has been one of my bestsellers and um yeah just a style that I feel really connected to because it came to me when I was in the mountains yeah so it's crazy
0: like the altitude did for you the opposite what it does to (laughs) everybody else (laughs) you know like it gave (gasps) you clarity and it makes everyone else busy (laughs) (laughs) and nauseous
1: (laughs) yeah that's so that's interesting Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, which, which goes <laughs> back
0: toward you know maybe that is an ancestral thing too, where your body just mm-hmm. wants to be, wants to be there. That's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So with those pieces, so okay, so like because I watched you uh, evolve from like the l- sort of lacy formal wear collection. Um, there were some florals mm-hmm. uh, in that collection, and then you had just little bits of macrame worked in to some of those pieces, like maybe a little neck Mm -hmm. piece or a couple strings that came to a belt or something like that um and then and then I guess I guess maybe that was the cleotop that came shortly afterward but um uh, what's my question what am I trying to get at
1: (laughs) how like like why did I veer away yeah yeah style yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I that I think I was trying to be something, somebody that I'm not <laughs> back then. Mm. I think I was trying to align myself with other designers.
0: Mm.
1: And, like, uh, basically the the collections I – the two collections I launched that were very much what you're describing were – there were parts of me that were really um, – me (laughs) in there but a lot of it was kind of uh the the remnants of of other people's beliefs of Mm -hmm. what i should do Mm -hmm. or other people's and and yeah it was it would rub off on me and and i wasn't very like i wasn't certain about about my own um storytelling i wasn't certain Mm -hmm. about my own style i was learning still um as I said I I worked in the industry for one year only so then I just decided to launch into it but even though it it was a good thing and it was a bad thing for some many reasons you know good and bad because even though I got my foot in the door early I feel like I could have developed my my own um my own style more before launching or I could have gotten to know myself better. I was, yeah, I didn't really know myself that well back Mm -hmm. then. So I was, I I feel that you can actually see that through my work. Yeah. I mean, Um, I think
0: you took the path, you so clearly took a path that you were called to take when you veered toward the macrame pieces. Like it's mm -hmm. because where you were trying to fit into another, uh, into an existing, um, like with the other formal wear, it's like you're fitting into an existing sort of idea of fashion. Whereas with the mm. macrame pieces, you created your own niche. Like truly, um, mm. like w- it's such an original voice and such original pieces. It's like it was. It's to me, it's so clear. I'm like, oh, see, she hit. Mm. Like you, you hit jackpot when you made your first piece. I, I have a, like when you made it, were you like, oh, <laughs> this is it? Like you kind of like, did you feel it? Did you know?
1: Yeah, I think I felt it, and, and and you know maybe maybe in some ways yes, and some ways no. But I, I, it's something interesting. I gave a talk at, um, I gave a lecture at the university that I studied at recently, mm-hmm. and that was a really beautiful experience because I I always you know dreamt of. Of doing that you know going back to where I studied to give a tour yeah and when I collated my images and my you know imagery to share with the students one of the things that I found which I didn't even remember that I did this but I filmed myself knotting the very first dress that I made and I'm talking to the camera as if I'm famous or something like I'm talking to the camera as if oh like you know this is the first one that I'm making and uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but it's going to be something, and we'll see how it goes. You know, it's mm-hmm. just I I find it strange that I had the the, for, um, the foresight, the, the or the
0: yeah the foresight I guess
1: foresight yeah to. Think that it would lead to something, yeah. Even when I was just making the first one, I don't, I, I'm an intuitive person, but when I saw that, I was like, Really? <laughs> How do I know? <laughs> so, yeah, that was a really cool thing to show the students because that's what where they were at. There, you know, I locked myself in a mannequin room and just knotted for days on end, and that's where they're at. You know, working on something that they're uncertain of. Yeah. But there's always when it's something that's right, there is that little certainty. Yeah. There's there a, there's like a spark and an and
0: an a motor yeah. that pushes you forward through it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, can yeah. we can we talk about marketing a little bit? Um, so like after sure. you made your first piece, maybe posted on Instagram, like, did you? I, well, and I guess this is kind of a question that also ties in with like um how you're structuring how you structure like sales and commissions Mm -hmm. is like do people just um because you have to fit it individually to each body it's couture Mm -hmm. like it's all very individually based right so do people just pick a design from what they see on the website and then um you know ask you to tweak it or how does that
1: work um, so there's two ways to order. Uh, there's d- directly from the website, uh, from the collections, or uh, you can order custom piece. Both yeah. ways. You'll communicate with me either way <laughs> because if you order from the website, I will send a um, measurements guide and then, um. if you, and then you measure yourself. So th- those are the styles that you can order online on the website they're a set design but they are like the cords are cut to the measurement that you request you know the the garment will be crafted to your exact measurements um, which are provided through email Uh, and then there are the custom pieces which are all through email and through sketch it usually starts with a zoom conversation and then there is Uh, a sketch and then it's passed um, back and forth and then you know the final design is selected and then there's a you know measurements session over zoom usually or uh so so it's very much an intimate process throughout uh and
0: it's pretty awesome that you can do that all over zoom and it can be accurate enough to make it work mm -hmm. out because they're so Perfectly tailored, like perfectly tailored. At least the ones that I'm seeing, you know, online or on your Instagram. I mean, they yeah. we couldn't well, look better on the on like the people who are you know purchasing them from you. Or I mean, half the time mm-hmm. I'm like, are they all models? Because they're all so gorgeous, <laughs> and like the settings in which they're getting either married or you know the festival environment or whatever it is. I mean, it's just so perfect.
1: You know. mm, thank you. I think it's, I guess, with when you're draping with cords, you really need to get a fit right because then yeah. it just looks frumpy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, I am very spe- specific with measurements. And it, it's happened many times where a client has measured themselves and then I look at the measurements and I just i don't know i feel like i just kind of construct the figure in my mind and i and i can see the proportions kind of thing and i can just tell if there's one off and it's so cool because this has you know happened over time it's not like i could do this as a uni student but it it you know through seeing measurements of so many people i just understand the female form I, i i understand the form because i've also created for um for all people so I th- I think I can just yeah map it out and I'll I'll write to them and say, can you just double check this measurement because I think it's a few centimeters off, and most of the time it's a few centimeters off. That's and incredible. They'll say to me, you know, I don't know, how did you know? <laughs> like uh, I don't know, I'm just.
0: It's crazy. Just,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the the like working with clients internationally has been a really cool thing because there's always a link there's always something you know we we live so far from each other we live completely separate lives but there's always something that like i can relate to my client on some sort of level and then we we create this really beautiful bond and then it becomes more than just the process of making a dress it's it's a ceremony it's like um yeah it's it's a collaboration it's it's yeah it's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Um it's so yeah. special because I feel like you've really found your your perfect audience or and they find you mm-hmm. which is so amazing. Um so I guess this takes me back to the marketing question.
1: Did oh, it just yes. happen <laughs>
0: organically over Instagram like where you posted a piece and then suddenly all the beautiful boho princesses came to you or like how did <laughs> how, do you, how did it happen like or was there, did you have like one big um like one big account or person that commissioned a piece from you mm. and then it got popular from that or you know like was there one big push or do you feel like it's just kind of slowly been happening organically
1: I think there have definitely been a few moments that have have elevated things but it has been a slow process of just hard work, definitely, of hard work of, of creating relationships. Like It's very much relationship building. It's mm-hmm. not just, well, for me anyway, it's not, you know, I'm going to gift you this piece and you wear it. It's, you know, getting to know the person. I, you know, want to know what colours light them up. I want to know, you know, it's, it's, it's more intimate. It's more intimate than... It's more muse finding for me in terms of like who I choose to work with who um, and things like that. But, yeah, there definitely have been a few moments, for example, and everything happens for a reason. This is a cool story because something that didn't work out led to something that was meant to be. So mm. I worked with a stylist who I feel didn't respect me and this particular stylist uh was demanding a lot of me but i really wanted to work with the person she was styling so it was she was the person who i needed to form a relationship yeah. with in order to you know and i think what i've learned now is i probably wouldn't have worked with no, actually, no. I, I I don't regret anything. I'm glad it. I'm glad that it all happened because it showed me the type of person that I want to be um, working with. Yeah. You know, somebody who works from the heart, not from any other place. So anyway, she d- she asked me to make a change to a particular garment to make it um, like more red carpet worthy. So mm-hmm. I added uh, tubes all around to one, of one particular design. And then that design was worn by a young festival goer. So after, after she styled it for the person she styled it for, I then sold it the same design, which was like an elaborate, uh, it was my design with just extra bling, I guess, to somebody who wanted to wear it to a festival. And she, I guess, You'd call her a micro-influencer. So she didn't have a big following, but she's just incredibly stylish. Mm -hmm. And she wore the piece which was usually being worn over like evening slip. Mm -hmm. She wore it over the briefs, over just her own. Oh, no, actually, I've created some briefs for her. They were the first briefs I ever made. I created for her and she wore it to a festival. And then that is the moment that the festival thing happened Ah. (laughs) from that image of her wearing that piece was when that image actually went i i would say semi-viral i guess it got went everywhere on pinterest
0: oh i see
1: and then i was getting lots of um interest from festival goers and then yeah that really started a, a, a whole other phase of my business that was incredible because all of a sudden i was working and creating for just these incredibly um interesting people who just wanted to you know display their pure essence like yeah. they want to go to these festivals to have a good time to be completely themselves and to let loose yeah and to ex- express themselves like their true being yeah so yeah, it wasn't yeah. just yeah, they didn't just want to order what was online. They were like, no, they're oh, putting no, it out, and wanted... they're like,
0: this is going to be epic. Like, yeah, this is what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. I, I totally get like, it.
1: You know, for example, I created for, for an incredible client, Anissa, who is South African, but she lives in the States and was going to Coachella and wanted to display her heritage. So I created this amazing like multicolored. I used all the colors in the South oh, African flag so cool. to create one of the pieces and then she just rocked it there at Coachella that's representing so cool. her heritage and that just sets me sets my soul on fire like it just that's that's what I what I really love yeah. to see.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah so cool (laughs) um yeah what was oh um sorry i'm forgetting (laughs) what i was gonna ask you um oh so this was all i guess that was pre-pandemic right (laughs) so um so oh i know what i was gonna ask you um okay so these pieces are all so intricate i imagine they take a very, very long time to make. Do you have a lot of people working with you? What is the setup of your um, of your company?
1: I have a small team and uh, they, the ladies who work in my team are all from the local TAFE. So they, so they're, so yeah, local to my studio here, there is a TAFE where each student needs to do a component of work experience so i developed a really beautiful relationship with the teachers there at that TAFE and mm. they really trust me with their students and they they just love the the experience that the students have had here so yeah we just over time developed this really nice um relationship and then i've trained the ladies up and they are the ladies who form my team. So oh, wow. So from when they really were students
0: nice. and mm-hmm. then they get out of school and then they just start working for you?
1: Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's so incredible. It's, but but it's it's such a, a nice mix of, of, one, cultures and and ages. So, mm. for example, there's Emily. She's, you know, only 18. She's young, but she's, um, she's had a tough time and she – loves to be here because it's her therapy and Mm -hmm. you know the um there's Tanima who's from Bangladesh and she just has this incredible work ethic because she's a, a mother to a beautiful her beautiful autistic son and again this is the place where she feels at home um where she can just have um time to herself to express herself creatively and all all the women who who work here have learned macrame from me so they didn't know macrame before coming here and now they can create a full garment on them on their own so yeah i feel i feel very proud of that and and the fact that they're they're such an incredible group of of women um yeah,
0: <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, I, so you I feel like you're you are still pretty young and you very quickly started um, are, are are in a position where you're delegating and teaching and, um, you know, and managing so many people. Is that something that comes naturally to you? Like, I feel like th- that part is like the hardest part for me. I cannot delegate. I'm horrible. I'm like a horrible boss. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like.
1: Uh, this hard... I think, yeah. No, I understand what you're saying because yeah. it was very hard for me uh, because of wearing all the hats, mm-hmm. stage, <laughs> and then handing over the hats was a bit scary. Yeah. And and the trust. I think, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It was it was really hard, and I think, I think, I just quickly realized that it just needed to be done (laughs) and if I wanted to uh if I wanted to keep being creative I needed to hand over jobs Mm -hmm. and I so so yeah it's been it's it's been a big process of of letting go of that control because I'm a control Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can, can be and and have been Um, very too controlling and now I'm working on it I'm not going to say I'm (laughs) completely you know chill and zen but but yeah no I've had to hand over a a lot of uh or trust in other people to help out a lot so um, yeah, so yeah no that's been good I mean the learning curve on i
0: making these pieces I imagine I I just don't understand how you did it because once that festival image, let's say that went viral, mm. were you getting many orders all at the same time? And then, like at that point, were you did you already have people working for you? Um, or did you have to like hire real quickly uh, and teach real quickly?
1: I think I probably around that time was when there were the work the ladies were here doing work experience. Mm-hmm. So it was more. I was enjoying. Uh, I probably spent too much time, you know, one on one with the ladies, teaching them things, and not getting through what I meant to be getting through. To tell you the truth, because I really enjoyed teaching and and working, um, with the ladies. But what I didn't know was that I was training them up to be part of, you know, the team. Well, yeah. I, I guess I did know that, but I, I didn't know that it would. It, would happen uh, so fast, I guess, yeah. and it just did happen naturally. In that, I, I n- it went from them needing to be in the studio to learn to me needing them in the studio. Mm. So, yeah that that was uh, that was how it happened, and it did happen very organically. Just, I guess, each week analyzing. Okay, how many do I need to get through? Uh, who do I need on board? Who's available? Who wants to be here? You, you all want to be here. Okay, great. Let's make great. this happen. <laughs> wow. You know? Um, so, no, that's and, – and, yeah, definitely closer to the festivals is when – that's when I get very busy. So I've even had to call on, you know, when I've got the ladies working here and then I have – I need, like, um, one of my aunties jumped has jumped in and – I've never had my family members assist, actually, in, in knotting or anything. But I have – Um, she's actually not my real auntie. She's a, a family friend. But, yeah, not my direct family. Um, but, yeah, I just it, – it's happened organically, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um. So now that – I guess festivals are back now, right? They were back last summer, I think? Did – Did your business, so, well, you tell me, uh, during the pandemic, the pandemic, you mentioned that it, I guess it it did slow down a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. was, I mean, how was it? How was your pandemic experience with, with work and figuring all of that out?
1: Well, something very interesting happened and aligned at that time because I was in a 10-year relationship, which, just at the early COVID period, um, we separated Mm. and we'd just bought a house that we were renovating. So, you know, that that early stage, or actually for all of COVID, (laughs) I have been working on the business and also renovating my home. Wow. With my my dad. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, what ended up happening was – yeah we we went our separate ways and then um i i you know took ownership of the home and then continued on the renovations which as a designer i really thrived i really love to renovate (laughs) and just really enjoyed being here in the studio creating and then having to run over to paint a door or whatever. Or, or, you know, um, there was always something happening because my home is just around the corner from my studio. So I would just, I'd have a fitting. It was was a chaotic time, but I think that I thrive in that chaos because, you know, you just thrive in the chaos sometimes. Yeah, yeah. it
0: just keeps you going. (laughs) And also, I imagine because you had just... Separated. You had a lot of emotional things that you either wanted to put aside or just be distracted, and you had too many things going on that you didn't have to maybe dwell on it. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that's how I would have been, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if it was so much that because I I feel that COVID the slowdown also actually um, gave me the a bit of time to delve deeper into the processing of everything and i yeah so i i think that it wasn't so much of a distraction but i just it was it was something for me to harness that extra energy into that i that i didn't um that i couldn't allocate to doing the amount of work that i was doing in the studio prior to COVID. so it just allowed me to to balance my time um with that project and this um Denise and Vera project so yeah that and I've just finished them now so (laughs) like the renovations oh okay I just completed the renovations so it's it's the timing is quite strange really to think about it because it was it it aligned quite well because work slowed down and then I really had to pick up my my duties in terms of house the house, um, yeah. the house. Yeah. so well that's great uh, so, yeah. it worked out <laughs> so, ha- so so has I work now picked up
0: quite a bit now that we're has. sort of back although i don't know what's going on with omicron and whatever's
1: Absolutely, you know yeah. but um yeah yeah it incredibly this period has lined up really uh perfectly because i've just uh, completed renovations and then literally last week was probably the first week that i was right back up to my usual oh wow amount of work and it just it was kind of like that project ended and then this this one just ramped back up again right so, and you've uh, been working uh, on
0: the um the artisan archive artisan project archive. too so yeah
1: yeah it's yeah. a lot yeah, going on yeah so. <laughs> There is, there is, but it's, yeah, it's, it's. It, I, I'm excited to step into this next phase of of things, um, especially with just the 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 fact that I've completely know myself now. Yeah, and and I don't. I mean, we all go through moments of, you know, feeling really well and not well, I guess, and feeling connected to ourselves and not. Um, feeling aligned and you know all those things, but I feel like I've experienced so much in the past uh, few years, especially you know losing my mum yeah. and, and the separation and the renovations and things that I'm at a place where I'm very very certain of where I'd like to to be, where I where I want Denise and Vera to be and how. Yeah, that's yeah. probably where I find myself right now.
0: <laughs> where would you like Denise and Vera to be in five years?
1: I I would like Denise and Vera to, you know, honestly, to be where it where it is right. I I'm love really it right happy now. with where it is.
0: That's great. And
1: I think that that's something that, like, I remember. A, because I, I won this grant, um, and I—sorry, I, I, not a grant. It was a—it was a New South Wales Business Chamber award, and I mm. got runners-up. So I was—I had like mentorship with a—a a businessman, like a you know straight-up businessman who um, invests in biz. In he's, he's an, an investor, finance business guy okay, is how yeah. I would describe him and he was so interested in my business that he wanted to invest and this was very early on and he was talking big numbers he wanted to invest one hundred thousand dollars and obviously at that stage early on in business I was so excited I want to do it but he was talking things like okay well you know one dress is a thousand dollars so if you can make 20 dresses in a week that's going to get you to here, and then right. and it's all I, numbers, <laughs> all numbers, and and I think that I took from him what I was meant to because I did learn a lot from him. He was an incredible guide, but I knew that in that moment, my gut was telling me that that was not where I was meant to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I made that decision at that stage because I've been able to hold, um, I've been able to hold Denise and Vera. In my palm, but also um, in my heart, and being able to really share it in the way that my heart desires, yeah. and not in in any other way. Right, you're not um, answering just... to
0: anyone else's vision of exactly. what they think it should be.
1: Exactly, yeah. and and I, I shared a, a real like recently, which said something. Uh, something at the end I say I'm following my own rules and I feel like that's where I'm at right now that I've come to the realisation that in our lives we hold the pen to our story and we make the rules and yeah. we can direct our lives in whichever way that we wish to and I can lead Denise and Vera wherever I, I wish to lead it and where I wish to lead it is... is is where it is um so yeah I don't have I can't say to you Leah in five years I want to be like in Milan or I don't know that's my my that's not my vision my vision is to continue bringing joy to people's hearts yeah it's beautiful
0: do you have a dream (laughs) a dream celebrity you would love to dress Zendaya oh yeah (laughs)
1: Oh, and it's it's in, it's going to happen though because I'm already like in touch with her stylist ah, and she, he has actually requested um, a garment which I couldn't get to him because it, I made it for a client <laughs> and I couldn't like you know steal it away from my client and give it to him Great. unfortunately um, and he needed it kind of asap for a particular thing called oh. the globe, Golden Globes. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. In saying that, I know it will happen yeah. when it's meant to happen. Yes,
0: so. yes, yes, it will.
1: Yeah, I, I never kind of question things when they don't work out because I know that it's not the right time.
0: Yeah. Also, I mean, <laughs> she's about like this big, so I don't know what your other client like. If it, the measurements would have been right, you would have had to redo it a little bit. But
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have done, had to do a little bit of tweaking. But I yeah. would have done it because it's her. And Absolutely. Amazing. Um.
0: <laughs> oh we're definitely gonna see that happen I mean there's not like a better match I can't I literally can't think of a better match maybe
1: well I'm really glad that I said like, it out loud to you yeah. on this podcast <laughs> yes, it's gonna yes. happen oh my gosh I, I could start saying so many names but I, I <laughs> um,
0: well there's yeah. definitely gonna be huge things and huge collaborations and partnerships for you in the future I, can, I already know it um I mean and already all that you've achieved with Your business is is so incredible. So, um, you know, I know you're going to do all great things and I'm so excited that I finally got to talk to you and that you are a real person that is not just on Instagram that I've been like fawning over the pieces for six years.
1: Um, yeah, you're amazing and likewise <laughs> you are amazing. Thank you so much for having me on oh my your podcast, which I've been listening to for so many
0: years. <laughs> thank you. I mean, I feel like I'm so loopy right now because it's almost midnight, and like i I'm sorry if I was not directing the conversation well i' was I was trying I'm trying, <laughs> but you' very well. oh uh-huh. thanks <laughs> you're wonderful though, Denise and I just thank you for agreeing to come on and sh- for you know sharing your story and you know, you are awesome. And yeah, I will for sure be seeing you. And I hope one day I can somehow guide my own self to have a reason to buy one of your pieces. (laughs) Right now, I literally don't go anywhere. So I can't justify (laughs) it. But I'm going to have to find an event.
1: (laughs) I am certain that that magical uh, scenario will just like lead its way to you. And then this is going to happen. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, Aww. thank you so much
0: again. And um, yeah, I'll be seeing you on Instagram. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on Naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.